2: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile?
2: What is going on everybody? Three and out podcast with me, John Middlecoff. We got a big show going. I just uh press record. There's about three minutes left in this game, but I really can't take much more of it uh and we'll dive into I guess a couple things that stood out Patriots up 35-14 somehow it was 21-14 I swear 15 minutes ago and then a fumble and then another Brady touchdown and boom the Patriots are going to cover of course they will we're going to dive into a couple other things Uh, some college football thoughts you know Joe Burrow you know forever it was Tua and Herbert and, and now I think. Burrow has at least thrown his hat in the ring, and because of the schedule that LSU plays, I mean, they got Florida this weekend, they got Auburn coming up, and Alabama. The level of defenses he's going to see, he's going to have a chance to, in my opinion, establish himself, and and I'll dive into, you know, can he pass Herbert? And then, like we do on every Friday podcast, go over all the Sunday games. You know, this week, we have, at least for me, for those of you who live on the East Coast, the nine thirty a.m. kickoff for me it's 6 30 in the morning tad bit early on Sunday but if you tell me I got football from 6 30 a.m. all the way till about nine o'clock at night you know I, I I've gotta be honest I can't really complain and then uh, like always Middlecoff mailbag answer your questions at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle it's you know the easiest way to get a hold of me at John Middlecoff Twitter Instagram but the, you slide up in those Instagram DMs and I will answer your questions on here but let's start with the Patriots, and you know, i th- they're one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen, that's, that's saying nothing new. Uh, I would say their greatest strength right now, and, and everyone tells you this when you're young and you hear it a million times, like, as you get older and you make more money and you invest, diversify, diversify, diversify. And we all see things, and it's no different like gambling on sports, but when you invest your own money in the stock market and you go all in, and I did this recently with Netflix about a couple years ago, put a substantial amount of money of relative to me in the Netflix stock. And about three months ago, I sold a lot of it at a pretty big loss. And if I would have taken that money and listened to like my parents' financial advisor who kind of recommended against it, and I was like, listen, I don't mourn this joker. And I was kind of investing. I just went all in on one thing. I'm like cord cutting. Netflix is going to crush. It's going to shoot up to like eight hundred dollars. Bought it at three fifty. It's now like two sixty. Uh, and when you diversify in Apple and just other things, you know you're going to be okay. You, 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 the even during tough times, your hits will be less. I'm watching the Patriots right now. They're pretty well diversified. Like they might have their most diversified team. I don't know of this modern-day era, really since the 07 team became much more offensive-oriented till last year, because I'm watching them, and clearly they got some offensive issues, right? They're banged up. Gronk retired, Nikhil Harry's on injured reserve, Uh, Josh Gordon got banged up tonight, Edelman's been dealing with rib issues, they're still trying to figure out their running backs. But their defense is top-notch. Their defensive backfield dominates. Danny Dimes threw three picks tonight. They also caused a fumble. They also had a block punt that was a touchdown. So yeah, their offense looks a little funky. I mean, Brady's numbers, 31-41 to 41 for 330 yards, look better than he actually looked in the game. He was pretty terrible in the first half. Now granted, the second half, he kind of locked in and started looking like the normal TB12 we know. But their offense, for the most part this season, especially the last three or four weeks, hasn't been that great. But it hasn't mattered. Because for the first time in forever, this team is fully loaded at other, you know, on defense and special teams. So, yeah, their offense isn't great. But really, we know when it comes to the playoffs, they'll figure it out. They'll be able to run the ball. They'll get Nakeel Harry back. They'll develop some of these younger guys. I, I don't even know who number 80 is. Uh, his name is something, Olzawowski And he looks, like Danny, he looks like Danny Amendola. Edelman... Ball tonight, and we know he'll come through in the clutch. They'll figure out how to get Harry in the mix. They'll coach up Sony Michelle and Bolden and James White. They'll find a way to use it. The offense, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady, is the least of my worries. If their defense is really good, how are you going to beat this team? Because we know they'll find ways to out-scheme you. And then if they're making plays on special teams, like this has to be the most diversified Patriot team of this modern-day run. Remember when they were kicking ass and taking names? in one and then 3 and 4 how good those defenses were, when you still see these guys like get their number retired with New England and they come back, do you notice they're all defensive players? They're all Brewski, Ty Law, Mike Vrabel, all those type guys. You're like, God, the Randy Mosses and the Welkers and the Gronkowskis and the Aaron Hernandezes and the Edelmans, those guys came on the second half of the run. But the first three championships were really much more defensive-oriented with a younger Brady and like Troy Brown. Now, they did trade for Corey Dillon, but it wasn't like really this last 10-year run, which is all kind of offensive-heavy. Now, they've had good defensive players, but di- weren't they the same team that kind of got gashed by Philly in the Super Bowl? Weren't they the same team that was down 28-3 to to the Falcons? Now, they ended up winning that game. Does this defense look like a defense that's going to be down 28-3? How you you score 28 points on these guys? All their DBs make plays on the ball. Gilmore looks like Deion Sanders right now. We got Winovich flying around. All their guys make plays. Brett, I see Brett Bielema hugging Belichick. Brett, Brett Bielema has been a pretty good defensive line coach since Belichick hired him this year. I'm actually more bullish on the Patriots. Because like I said, they will figure out the offense. They have the greatest quarterback in the history of America on their squad. He's 42. He had two quarterback sneaks tonight for touchdowns. Six carries, six yards. Don't sleep on TP-12. But when you're this balanced of a team, I, I just, I think they're in it to win it. Now, if, you know, the championship game against the Chiefs, and then whoever they would potentially play if they won that game in the Super Bowl, it's not going to be easy. But I, when you have a defense that can just dominate, man. And then on the flip side, Danny Dimes... He was fifteen to thirty-one for one hundred sixty-one yards and three picks. I'm gonna be hesitant on having some bold take that he sucks now. Obviously, I I, I came on this show after his performance against Tampa Bay and was shocked. I was like, "Wow, I, I I did not expect that." But you get to this game, you're missing Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram in that game had a big game. I know he got Golden Tate back, but he's playing with like a four-string running back against, like I said. The best defensive backfield right now, at least as a unit, in the league. You can't really take away much. You really can't. Now, Troy did mention on the broadcast, he's like, you know, Gettleman, they really got something. They're building towards something. Like, I wouldn't go that far. Their defense is atrocious. Uh, Name me one young weapon they have beside Ingram uh, as a receiver. Sterling Shepard's okay. Okay. Their offensive line has been better this year, but like, do they have building blocks for the future on that thing? Defensively, n- name me one guy that you see on this team in three years, you know, beside the nose tackle, I guess that they drafted this year from Clemson in the first round. So, you know, is this coaching staff going to be around in two? Is Gettleman going to be around in two? I, you know, Danny Dimes is going to get his three or four years to prove that he's a long-term quarterback, of course, when you're drafted number six overall. But this is an organization that's kind of. You know, feels like, is Pat Shurmur coaching for his job starting next year? So then if he doesn't win, we got a new coach. So Danny Dimes has two coaches in three years. Because that's already kind of feels like where it's headed. But I, I, I have no overall takeaway on Danny Dimes' performance in this game. You see he's athletic. Uh, that, that to me is his defining attribute right now is he can just move. He reminds me a little bit of a younger Alex Smith now that game he had against Tampa, like Alex didn't have that game his first five years as a pro. Maybe he, maybe once he did, but that that was really impressive. But just his movements, his arm strength might be a little better. Y- you know, it's I-, I would definitely say that I would work with this for a couple years to see what you got, and then you get Barkley back, you get Ingram back, maybe you draft a wide receiver this year. Here's the thing: if you, if you're the New York Giants, you you draft an offensive player early in the draft. You know, if you win if your records five and five and eleven and you're drafting eighth or ninth, draft a receiver. So then you get a sweet receiver with Ingram and with Saquon Barkley. Like all your chips are on the table with your offense when you draft a quarterback. Like what about the defense? Supplement that through free agency and later draft picks. But you gotta make sure the Danny dimes maybe we'll just call him Daniel Jones for right now (laughs) until he plays a little bit better. Uh, but has a chance because right now the team they're rolling out uh doesn't. Like it, it, it really does when you look back, like make why did they sign Golden Tate? Did they did they think they were gonna be good? Did did they really think they were gonna be good? Because I, I, I actually I said five and eleven. Are they gonna get to five wins? I'd have to check their schedule, but maybe if Saquon comes back fully healthy. They got yeah, they got the Cardinals coming up at the Jets. The Dolphins, yeah, the Redskins, maybe, maybe they get to six wins. Maybe they get to six, five, six wins. Uh, but that, that will hinge heavily on Saquon Barkley, who, you know, is one of the most exciting players in the league for sure. 100%. Can you imagine if I gave Belichick Saquon Barkley on this Patriot team with Brady, Edelman, the defense, and just the coaching staff? They would. What's crazy is this something is off with the Patriot offense, and is it out of the realm of possibility to think they go 16-0? Seriously, could they go 16-0 with a team that's not clearly as good as the 16-0 team? But but man, uh shocked that I just did 10 minutes on that Thursday night game. I About a quarter in, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Luckily, the game kind of got going.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: Okay, let's, uh, let's do kind of the first... We haven't done this this fall. A, a draft topic. And, and something that kind of struck my interest a little bit. And I, I, I've been seeing this for years. Is that preseason narratives or offseason narratives regarding a draft prospect can kind of skew the view of fans. Where, you know, Tua, he's going to go high. You know, we've been talking about him for a while. We've been watching him play at a high level for a while. You can you know kind of dissect his ability is he really worth the top you know first or second overall pick he's going in the top five that's just that's just what's going to happen worst case scenario maybe go six or seven I'd still be shocked he's going really high but we saw a couple years ago the media whenever the media likes a guy and I'm talking not the media being generated through information through the league like remember several years ago Chris Mortensen or Adam Schefter one of the two of them after the draft, before last year's draft. they, I think Mortensen tweeted out, an NFL GM has told me Josh Allen at Wyoming will be the number one overall pick next year. And whether you disagreed or agreed with the take, as we all watched Josh Allen's games, you know, that next season, when he played Oregon, when he played Iowa, he still went number seven overall because the narrative was created by the league. The, the league is not emotional about any of this shit. They just look at players, they either like them or they don't. The media love Teddy Bridgewater. Do you know who did not like Teddy Bridgewater? The NFL. Not to the level in which he's gonna be the number one overall pick. He's gonna be the number one overall pick. No, he's not. He went 32. He you know, he had small little hands, he needed Teddy two gloves. I like Teddy. I'm rooting for him. Cool to see his career, which kind of fell off the wagon because of the injury, get back on track. You know, he's he's doing a great job as the backup quarterback right now. Another guy, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, he's Michael Vick. Actually, he's not Michael Vick. He's uh, he's thrown four touchdowns and five picks in the last three weeks as the Ravens have kind of fallen off the map. So he went 32nd in the draft. So no, the, the, the media love Lamar Jackson. The NFL didn't love uh, Lamar Jackson. Now, they still liked him enough. These guys went at the end of the first round. So it's not like they're in the poorhouse or anything. But I think you got to be very, very careful about that. Who is creating the narrative? Like, my takes, if I just watch a guy and I go, God, I really like this player. For example, Juju Smith. I watched him very closely. I loved him. But a lot of people in the NFL that I knew didn't like him. So, he wasn't going to go in the first round. I thought, like, I would take him early in the second round, and then he went at the end of the second round. It's been proven. He's a pretty good player. Quarterbacks are different, though. Because the hype, whether it's media-driven or NFL-driven... It's driven. I mean, it's there. And Justin Herbert's a guy that we've been talking about now for a while. Because he's big, physical, huge arm, big program. He's playing well this year. He's got 15 touchdowns, one pick. Over 70% completion percentage. He's fine. But I think there was a lot of media hype on him. Not as much NFL hype on him. And I watched him last week against Cal struggle a little bit. Again, good player. I don't know if I'd taken the first round. And I think if I shot Tex around through my NFL... People that I know working in various front offices that run teams, whatever, probably some mixed reviews. It wouldn't just be, yeah, first rounder, first rounder. Now, a lot of those teams that I'd be texting have, the the powerful thing when you text a team that has a quarterback, they'll give you an honest assessment. They're like, yeah, I don't really like the guy. That doesn't mean they're right, but they'll give you an honest assessment. And sometimes players can somewhat come out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. As we head into Baker's Mayfield's fifth year, technically his third year at Oklahoma, there wasn't anyone, myself, yourself, NFL people, hell, probably even Lincoln Riley, maybe even Baker Mayfield himself, that thought he was a first-rounder. He ended up going first overall. Because, like in the NBA, when you go, you know, R.J. Barrett was the number one overall prospect, and then Zion shot right by him. If they had drafted Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and that whole crew of guys out of high school, Zion would not have been the number one overall pick. He was the no-brainer number one overall pick after they played. That's the great part about sports. We play it out. We get to see these guys play. And Joe Burrow, who wasn't, actually he wasn't as big of a recruit as I saw, three-star guy, went to Ohio State of high school. Well, he couldn't win the starting job. Obviously, JT Barrett had the job for a while. And then when the job became open, he didn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. And looking back, it goes, well, we don't know if Dwayne Haskins is going to be a good NFL quarterback or not. But I think he had 42 touchdowns his one year at Ohio State. I think the most touchdowns ever by a quarterback at Ohio State. He was fantastic. He went 15th overall in the draft. So it's not that crazy. He transferred to LSU. And last year, you're like, oh, I don't really see it. This year, he's been unreal. 22 touchdowns, three picks, 78%. And you just watch him, like that Texas game. You're like, listen, I I don't know if this guy's a top 10 pick, but this guy's a first rounder. And then you start kind of looking at the landscape of, if Tua's the clear number one guy, who's the number two guy? The Justin Love, I don't even know if actually his first name is Justin Love. Whatever the Love kid's name at Utah State, cross him off the list. No chance he's going in the first round. Jacob Fromm, I just don't see the physical skills there. The kid Eason, who couldn't beat out Fromm, who's now the starting quarterback at Washington, I'd pump the brakes a little bit on that one. I hope the guy goes back to school. Sam Ellinger, I'm going to need to watch him against Oklahoma. I'll be honest, I haven't watched that much Texas football the last couple years beside the LSU game, which he was solid. Burrow was better. And this Oklahoma game is going to be interesting. So he he might be a guy in the mix. But Joe Burrow is clearly throwing his hat in the ring. Like, yeah, I was slow to develop. I was at a certain school. I couldn't beat out a top-flight NFL prospect. But my time's now. And it kind of starts this weekend. He plays Florida. And then he has games coming up against Auburn, Bama, and A&M. So if this guy has success and, let's say, wins three out of the four of those games and loses to Bama or hell, upsets Bama and lose a whatever it is, and plays well, I think we could be looking at the number two quarterback in the draft, because that's the great part about the season. You play it out, and Justin Herbert's been a little hit or miss. His stats are solid, but just some of the eye tests when I was watching him against Cal, I, I, it's not totally his fault. They don't have a running back. Receivers, you know, I think just came back last week, but you're like, is this guy a top 10 pick? I've I would never have said that about Joe Burrow coming into the, into the season. Hell, I would have thought he was like a late-round pick. But he clearly, six foot four, good athlete, big-time arm, and is just playing at a high level. Now, if he does it against the highest level of competition, the, the three of these games over the next two months, Florida, Auburn, and Bama, I mean, you're talking about three of the best defenses in the country. So if he goes and plays well, and that's the thing, from an NFL perspective, if he throws... Eight touchdowns in those three games and one pick, and they lose all three games. It's not his fault. You know, we don't judge when you're sitting in a front office and evaluating these players' wins and losses. Does not affect anyone. You know, now, it does with a quarterback, but if he plays winning football and the defense gives it up, it will not be a knock against him. Now, if his team wins and he plays shitty, it will. So, how he plays against these top flight defenses will go a long way to determining his draft stock, but it's pretty clear that there is a clear road. There is even a crazy road for him just to dominate Florida, Auburn, Bama, and M. He wins all these games, then plays Georgia in the sec championship game, and then plays well in the playoffs. It's not out of the realm of possibility. This guy's the number one overall pick. Now that's, that would be a pretty big upset given that Florida, Auburn and Bama's defenses are unreal. Even if he did upset them all, he'd still have to play Georgia, and then he'd have to play tough teams in the playoffs. But the the road is there. More than likely, if he just maintains a high level of play, let's say splits these games, goes 10-2, and two, plays in you know the Cotton Bowl or wherever the hell LSU would go, this guy's going to be the number two quarterback in this draft if two is one. And, and again, back to what I just said, if he plays Bama, and for the first time in who knows how long they beat Bama... And while quarterbacks don't quote unquote play each other because they're never on the field at the same time, the great part about a matchup is, is when Aaron Rodgers is playing Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes is playing Deshaun Watson or whatever the matchup is, you see those guys, one guy comes on the field, the other guy goes off the field. You get a great ebb and flow of the two players. And you can think to yourself, who would I rather have? And there's going to be some of that in the Bama LSU game as long as Joe Burrow can take, you know, continue winning and playing well against Florida and Auburn. In a perfect world, they're both undefeated going into that game. And there's a lot on the line there, which is kind of cool. Now, Joe Burrow was not the level of prospect of Josh Allen, where he's 6'5", he can run, and he can throw it, you know, the length of America, right? Where it was clear that Josh Allen, regardless of how well he played that junior or senior year, I think it was the junior year, you know, he was in college four years or whatever, the, the, the stats did not Matt winning, his physical attributes, he was almost like an NBA prospect. It'd be the equivalent of like, listen, this guy can't shoot, uh, he doesn't really know how to play defense, but he's seven feet tall, and he runs like a guard, we're going to draft this guy number one overall. That's a little bit what Josh Allen was, where Joe Burrow is putting together like big time stats against good teams, and making NFL level throws against Texas. If he continues doing this, just keep an eye, I, I'm very excited to watch him this weekend, against Florida, because I just watched Florida against Auburn, and it's clear their defense, their defensive backfield is unreal. If this guy play well in this game, I'm going to start thinking about this guy as a top-ten pick.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
2: Okay, we do it every Friday. We basically just go through every game on Sunday. I'll dive through them all. I I got two games circled that I would call the games of the week. That would be Eagles at the Vikings and the 49ers at the Rams. Have just massive, massive NFC playoff implications for teams that, you know, the Niners are undefeated, but for the Rams, Vikings, and Eagles, you know, that I think we all thought were three lock playoff teams when the season started, maybe not the Vikings as much, though I did. I mean, I, I like the Vikings, or it did when the season started. Still kind of do, but this is a big game to get a feel for them. We'll dive into that. I'm just starting. At, just go to NFL.com or ESPN.com, write down all the games. I actually do it through the betting website I use. Uh, so we'll start with the London game. Panthers at Tampa in London. Uh, Panthers minus two and a half. McCaffrey been dealing with a little bit of a back injury uh, but he's having an MVP-type season. There's, there's really no way around it. You got Mahomes, you got Russell Wilson, and you got McCaffrey. It's a three-headed race right now, and I think McCaffrey has an argument. If McCaffrey, with Kyle Allen as a starting quarterback, can keep doing what he's doing, 100 yards on the ground every game, 100 yards catching the ball, just dynamic, explosive plays, and get this team to the playoffs with Kyle Allen, I'm assuming is going to start the rest of the season, you might get me to vote for McCaffrey. Now, I actually kinda like Tampa in this game. Jameis, you know, didn't play that well last week where he was unreal a couple weeks ago. I think that's what he is. He's just an inconsistent player, still trying to figure out with Bruce Arians. I I, I just I just like him in this situation. Now, a little bit of a revenge game for Ron Rivera, but part of the reason they lost Tampa the first time was because Cam was so terrible. Uh I, I just like Tampa plus two and a half, even though the game's in London, which is a little weird. For us out here on the West Coast, we got a little 6 30 a.m. kickoff time. You know, Sunday morning, I'll, I'll get out of bed about seven fifteen. So I'll, I'll I'll start watching this bad boy probably around the second uh second quarter. Bengals at Ravens. God, what a terrible game! The Bengals stink. There's no way around it. The Cincinnati Bengals are an absolute disaster right now. and might win three games, maybe all season. The Ravens aren't playing that well either. Uh, they they, they struggled to beat the Steelers, who did not play well previously. They had lost back to back games right to Cleveland and to Kansas City, Lamar Jackson has come back to earth, four touchdowns, five picks the last three games, and again, they they they, they should not have won last week, if Juju Smith just holds on to the ball, the Steelers probably win the game, and that was a game where I think Mason Rudolph threw for like 130 yards, uh, but you know, they're 11 point favorite, I, I wouldn't bet this game, because I'd probably take the Bengals plus 11, but if, I, if I'm thinking about taking the Bengals plus 11, I'm probably just not going to bet so, you know, the Ravens should win this game and be 4-2, but be a weird 4-2. You know, they've had two bad losses uh, in four games, three of them, which they beat up on three of the, I mean, the worst three teams in the league. The Bengals, the Cardinals, and the, uh, the Miami Dolphins. This game is pretty good, too. I, you probably could throw this game in with the Eagles, the Vikings, the Niners, and L.A. God, there there's some good games this weekend. There actually there's, there's actually several good games this weekend. Uh, Houston at Kansas City. Now, Deshaun Watson is just coming off a game where he threw five touchdowns and looked incredible. Now, as part of that, the Falcons quit, maybe, but Deshaun's a really good player, and when you protect him, which they did last week, I think it's the first time he'd been sacked since, or hadn't been sacked since like week eight last season, that he's really dynamic. And the Kansas City defense is coming back to earth a little bit, but their big issue right now is Mahomes, you know, from Mahomes' standard, hasn't really been that good the last two weeks. Now the night game against the Colts. Listen, you know the, the Chiefs have a bunch of injuries. It's not that out of the realm possibility that you lose a game. Like you go thirteen and three, which is a guaranteed playoff spot every year in the history of the NFL. You lose three games, so the Chiefs are a four point favorite at home. Uh, it's not an easy place to win. You, again, you got it. To me, it's more last week about tipping your hat to uh, to Indianapolis. The one way to beat the Chiefs is just dominate on the ground. Well, is Houston going to run it all over them? They're a passing team. I, I like the Chiefs in this game, but this is an interesting game. You know, if Houston can win this thing, then all of a sudden they're 4-2, the Chiefs are 4-2, and, and you start asking yourself, are the Chiefs a lock to be the number two overall seed? Who would have said that a couple weeks ago? But it's a great part about the NFL, the ebb and flow, the Texans have made the playoffs, what, three of the last five years? Deshaun Watson's proven he's one of the best players in the league. Hopkins hasn't even been going off, and they've been putting up big numbers. So this, I look, for, I get this game here locally in the Bay. I look forward to watching it. Saints at the Jaguars. Love Gardner Minshew. Can't get enough of them. So I, I'm just going to keep picking the Jags. As long as Minshew's starting, I'm going to pick the Jags every week. Now, the game's in Jacksonville, and they're only a one-point favorite. One thing's pretty clear, the Saints are good. They're really damn good. They have a top-flight defense. Uh, Alvin Kamara's one of the best non-quarterbacks in the league. You saw Michael Thomas last week kick the living crap out of the Bucks, who look like, God, Michael Thomas looks like Julio Jones. And Teddy Bridgewater played the best game that he's played in three years. So if the Saints play on that level, they're going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. But is Teddy Bridgewater really going to put back-to-back high-level games against a defense that might be welcoming back Jalen Ramsey? Who has the recording of this podcast on Thursday afternoon? Uh, looks like he's gonna play. So if he comes back, I, I kinda like the Jaguars in a quote unquote little bit of an upset, then all of a sudden the Jags are three and three. And God, this is the the Houston at Kansas City and the Saints at Jacksonville are just two excellent morning games. This is another excellent morning game and one of my personal favorites, Eagles at the Vikings. Now, the Eagles have had a ton of injuries. They, they really have. Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, again, as a recording of this podcast, not expected to play, but they did to get Alshon back. They got Ertz. They got Aguilar. They should be able to score. The Vikings secondary has been a little hit or miss. And to me, the biggest question mark in this game, like I, I, I know what I think of Doug Peterson and what I think of Carson Wentz are pretty well established. Super Bowl winner, stud play caller, and beside Mahomes, the most talented young player. To me, the questions in this game are Kirk Cousins. Like, yo, bro, are, are you going to start earning that $28 million? This is the type of game they paid you to win. Because those other games they've paid you to win, you have not come through. Well, you come through in a game like this, people get off your back a little bit. And last week, it, it's easy to kick the crap out of the Giants. They were asking. To, their, their defense is terrible. So you throwing touchdowns to Adam Thielen, like, whoopee. Can you do that against the Eagles? Now, the Eagles personnel, especially in their secondary, is not great. We've seen team after team after team throw it on them. They have not traded for Jalen Ramsey yet. They haven't traded for Chris Harris Jr. yet. Their secondary's bad, so can you throw it on them? You got Stephon Diggs that acts like he wants out. You got Adam Thielen that's a stud. It might be a little tougher. You know, it's one of those games. Like Dalvin Cook probably not running for 150 yards in this game. Can you carry the squad? Can you throw up 30 points at home against the Birds? I'm not confident he can, but that that to me is the storyline in that game. I'm looking for. I wouldn't wish this next game upon my worst enemy, and I thought about it today, just as a casual fan. If I lived in Miami, how much would you have to pay me? And again, I'm not—I don't have that much money. I'm doing well for myself, but by no means I would consider myself rich, especially in this state where they take all my cash through taxes. Would you go Redskins at the Dolphins? Redskins at the Dolphins. And I, I, the number that I came up with to, to give my entire day to go to the one of the worst NFL games we've ever seen on paper, I started, like at first I'm like 1000 bucks, And then the more I thought about it, I don't think that'd be worth it. So I, I'm going $5,000 that you would have to pay me to ruin my Sunday, to spend it at the Miami, whatever the hell they call that stadium now, Sun Life Stadium, to watch them play the Bill Callahan-led Redskins. $5,000. Again, wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy, If I'm a Redskins fan, I stop paying attention to the Redskins and start watching the Nationals. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I just refuse to watch them this year when they're tanking. You're going to tank? That's fine. And I I think even a smart sports fan goes, I I get, in theory, why you're doing it, but I'm not going to watch you this year. I'm going to watch other games because I refuse to watch this crap. Uh, So, yeah, from a football standpoint, no takes. None. (laughs) The Dolphins are a joke. Or Excuse me. The Dolphins actually... At least they're acknowledging what they're doing. The Redskins are not trying to tank. And they just tank because they suck. I actually think the Dolphins could win this game. The Redskins are that terrible. This game's interesting here. 49ers at the Rams. We got ourselves a little problem here in San Francisco. Joe Staley out, broken leg. Mike McGlinchey tore something in his knee. He's out for a month. Had surgery yesterday. That's not ideal. The Niners are now starting a 6-round pick at left tackle, rookie, and a dude that played in the AAF this year at right tackle. That's a little bit of a problem. And then their star fullback, which Kyle Shanahan utilizes in basically every single offensive play, also sprained his knee, he's out. So the Niners are missing some very, very key players on what is currently the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Well, the Rams, who have lost two straight games, I did a little research yesterday, wrote an article on the Athletics, so I was, I was doing some Google research. McVay has lost back-to-back games in the NFL. Now, granted, he's only been the head coach for two years and four game, or five games. One time, and it was last year. I think it was against the Eagles and against the Bears. They were 11-1 at the time, so it didn't really phase them. They ended up finishing 13-3. Well, they've lost two straight games. He's never lost three straight games. If they, if the Niners can go into the Coliseum with all these injuries where they're kind of riding high 4-0 and beat the Rams and the Rams are 3-3, and like you can kiss the NFC West goodbye, but Seattle, depending on what happens in the Cleveland game, which I'll touch on next, could be 5-1, and and the Niners would be 5-0, and and you would have three losses with losses to both those teams. For a good team, this is about as must-win as you're going to see in the middle of October. So, to me, the Rams just have to win this game. They, they... It doesn't matter if you blow them out. You win by one point. You just you have to find a way to win this game. Losing this game, I think we start talking about the Rams not making the playoffs. Okay, let's get back to Seattle at Cleveland. Seattle's somewhat playing with house money, uh, winning that Thursday night game the way they did against the Rams. Now, granted, despite winning it a little bit, there was an element of luck. The dude, one of the best kickers in the NFL, missed a 44-yard field goal. They did, I thought, for the most part, outplay them all game. And Seattle's good. I mean, they have a clear identity. They run the ball. Russell Wilson makes plays. And they just do timely shit on defense. Cleveland, who I just watched them live on Monday night, was as gutless of a performance as I've ever seen. And I've probably been, you know, I, I don't know, 100 NFL games in my life. And that was, and I'm maybe the most gutless performance I've ever seen was the Eagles one time played the Raiders. And Nick Foles threw seven touchdowns and the Raiders had quit by about five minutes in. That's probably the most gutless performance I've ever seen by an NFL team in the history of my life. The Browns would be a close second, to what I witnessed Monday night. So are they going to play that bad again? They're a two-point underdog at home. Now, Baker, you know, the handshake gate, whatever, I don't even care that he shook his hand or he didn't shake his hand. He did shake his hand. But he's got to play better. Freddie Kitchens, you got to coach better. Uh, Odell Beckham, you just need to make some plays. Cleveland's got to win this game because they're two and three right now. You lose this game, you're two and four. Assuming that the Ravens beat the Bengals, they would be four and two. It'd be a big little swing. I mean, that that'd be somewhat of a problem. So I, you know, I I, I wouldn't gamble on this game because I wouldn't feel comfortable. But Cleveland would probably be the bet because I think everyone will be hammering Seattle. But this is about as like the Rams. Must win because they're a really good team, and to make the playoffs in the NFC looks to be a little more difficult. Cleveland must win in the sense that, like, hey fellas, if you're two and three, you're the uh, you're the Cleveland Browns, not the New England Patriots. Like you, you are not coming back from that. That's just that's not happening. I want to double check because I'm saying it out loud. Like, yeah, they're two and three. So they lose this game, they'd be two and four. You're telling me Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield are rallying the troops at two and four. No freaking chance. Their season is over. Now they win this. They're like, okay, we're three and three. Uh, The division's not that great. We're only one game behind the Ravens. Again, assuming they beat the Bengals. And the Ravens aren't that great. And we'll play them again. And then here's the problem for the Browns though. And this is what everyone was saying at the beginning of the season. This is why this game's definitely must win. Next week, they're at the Patriots. So you lose to Seattle at home, you're two and four. You're gonna be two and five, at least if you're three and three. You beat the you lose the Patriots. You're three and four. Then you get the Broncos, the Bills, the bad Steelers team, the Dolphins. Maybe you can rattle off some wins, but I, I think Cleveland is in trouble right now. Uh, Atlanta, Arizona, not quite as extreme as Redskins and Miami, but I don't know why you'd watch this unless you're gambling or fantasy football. You would think Atlanta would win. Uh, if they lose this game, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to fire Dan Quinn. You can't beat the Arizona Cardinals, led by Vance Joseph. You can't just find a way to outscore them with Matt Ryan, Sanu, Ridley, and Julio, and Devontae Freeman, and Hooper. W- what are we doing? What did I invest all this Home Depot money into this franchise for? We, we can't beat the Arizona Cardinals, led by a quarterback that's five foot three, a coach that's never won at any level, and a defensive coordinator, which is just awful. So I I think Dan Quinn in this game, you know, they fired Jay Gruden because clearly they hated Jay Gruden. I don't think Arthur Blank doesn't like Dan Quinn. I think he probably likes Dan Quinn a lot. I think Dan Quinn is a high-character guy. He's well-respected in the NFL. But the NFL is kind of a bottom line. I mean, it is a bottom line business for a coach. You either win or you lose. And right now he's losing at rapid speeds. Like last week they got their ass kicked. They got destroyed. Deshaun Watson, they scored 55 points on him. So, hey Dan Quinn, I I I recommend winning this game unless you're trying to get fired. Cowboys at Jets. uh, Darnold's finally back from mononucleosis. How will he look? I I was thinking today, like, are the Jets really going to go two and fourteen or something this year? You would think they'll win some games with Sam Darnold, but he's going to be rusty. I mean, he hasn't played in over a month. Uh, This is definitely a problem. Uh, The Cowboys need to get their mojo back. Their offenses look terrible. Jason Garrett, we talked about earlier this week on the podcast, was just an embarrassment the other night. Like It's just unacceptable to be that clueless against the Packers and be that unprepared. Uh, It can't happen at home. But I would expect the Cowboys to beat the living crap out of the Jets. Uh, I I like the Cowboys minus seven in this game just because it's more of a reflection of the Jets sucked than the Cowboys. I have much confidence in the Cowboys given how they've played the last couple weeks. Tennessee at Denver not exactly the sexiest game I would imagine the final score of this bad boy would be about 13 to ten uh, but you would think that Mariota Tennessee who is one of those probably good bad teams and when I say good bad teams like eight nine wins but eight uh you know six or seven of those nine wins are by a combined like 15 points where they're just squeaking out games Denver's not good uh they're just not their defense isn't very good Flacco's not very good. I'm not sure Fangio's very good as a head coach. Great defensive coordinator. But, yeah, just, I don't really have any other takes before beside this pretty boring game. Steelers at the Chargers. A little shocked that they kept this game. You would have thought that they, maybe they would have flexed the 49ers in L.A., Houston at Kansas City, Eagles at Vikings. But they kept this game on Sunday night. Uh, Mason Rudolph's not very good. He was bad against the 49ers. He was not good against the Baltimore Ravens, who were not good on defense last week at home. Uh, but the Chargers aren't that good either. They're 2-3, and three, a team I think we all expected to be, I don't know, 11-12 wins. Just an absolutely loaded roster, but a lot changed because they get—they have injuries at just a rapid rate. Once Derwin James went out, I don't think any of us were as confident, but I still expected them to be a 10-win team. I, I don't know if they're a 10-win lock. Now, I think they're a lock to win this game. While they have no home field advantage playing in that little concert stadium, I would imagine... Steeler fans because Steeler fans are just one of the powerhouse brands in this league. I I just, I I don't have any faith right now. It just in the chargers big picture, but this game, they're just superior basically at every position group and just gets back to the Steelers. Mason Rudolph. You just, he's just not good enough to beat a, you know, a credible NFL team.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
2: Okay, let's go a little Middlecoff mailbag. It's when we answer you guys' questions uh, here on the podcast. You just slide up into those DMs, at John Middlecoff, Instagram handle, and I'll answer your questions here. John, Flory21. John, if Jimmy continues to improve, do the Niners have a Super Bowl ch- uh, chance? Go Niners, great show. I would say we're going to find out a lot about Jimmy these next three or four weeks. It's going to be harder for them to run the ball without Usech, who's hurt. McGlinchey and Staley out you know if you remember like Tony Romo's uh, Ben Roethlisberger some really really good quarterbacks have overcome really crappy offensive lines now it's difficult and Kyle will try to avoid it to me for uh in my opinion at all costs like he's gonna try to pound the run game it's what makes Kyle Shanahan unique for a younger coach he is very very He's very persistent on the ground. Like he doesn't, he doesn't just try to throw the ball. But you might not be able to at least as well without Yuzcheck and McGlinchey because they ran between, behind those two guys to the right side with Yuzcheck lead blocking and George Kittle over there too, just kind of wreck and shop. It's going to be a little more difficult. Super Bowl chance? You know, I I just don't know. Even if everyone was healthy, there I don't know if their wide receivers would be good enough. And the NFC, like, are they better with Drew Brees and the Saints? Are they better than a fully healthy Eagles? Are they better than the Dallas Cowboys for fully, fully healthy? Are they better than Seattle? You know, I, I think it would be tough. Uh, I am currently 3-2 and two and reached out to a team that's 0-5 with Lamar Jackson Deshaun Watson for this fantasy question. I was like, God, what team are you were for? He wants a strong wide receiver for Jackson straight up. I have DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and Adam Thielen as my starters. I'm thinking of giving up Thielen or Hopkins. Think you could help me out with your opinion, thanks. I would tend to lean. I would keep Thielen because that's feels like Cousins' go-to guy. Uh, Hopkins, the one thing you see, he's a great player, but he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I mean, he threw five touchdowns last week, and I'm pretty sure that Hopkins didn't catch one. I've And I've used him in daily fantasy like three of the last four weeks, and he hasn't really scored me any points. So I would keep Thielen for sure. I'd probably trade Hopkins. Hey, John, enjoy the podcast. Wishful thinking here. But is it a possibility for the Niners to acquire A.J. Green if Cincinnati was interested before the trade deadline? If so, who and what would you give up? Thanks again and keep up the good work. I was talking about it on my other podcast with Guy today, and I don't think A.J. Green is that tradable. He makes $12 million. He had 45 catches last year. He was hurt. He's hurt again now. He had surgery earlier this year. You know, unless they'll trade him away for like a seventh-round pick, which the best player basically on their franchise, him and Geno Atkins of the last two decades, and like Carson Palmer, I guess, they traded Carson Palmer for a couple of months. Like they're just going to give away A.J. Green for like a seventh or sixth-round pick. I I can't see any team giving like a third or fourth-round pick, not with a guy that makes that much money who's going to be a free agent and who's always hurt. Like, the one thing when the Eagles gave up a third-round pick for Golden Tate, check out his, go to his NFL.com page. He had been one of the most consistent players in the league for, like, five straight years. He had, in his stats for breaking tackles and everything, but he had been available. Like, A.J. Green's not available. I I get why A.J. Green, we talk about him so much, and I'm always reading about him in these trade talks, but he, I, I just, I would not trade for him unless you'll give him to me for nothing. Basically like a, uh, You know, like a garage sale. Like, you can just get this. But that's not what's going on here. I I can't imagine them giving him away. Just finished listening to The weekend's podcast. Mono is like chicken pox. Once you get it, once you're immune. Here's to the idea that maybe Darnold's been too cautious most of his life while other NFLs got it done within high school. Okay, so you're basically saying maybe he just wasn't making out with chicks until he got older. I've never got mono, and I've made out with a lot of chicks. Hell, I made out with a chick last night. No mono today. I, I, I think it's more that just there was a randomness to what, however it happened. And Sam Darnold was the starting quarterback at USC. Like, I, I've spent some time on SC's campus and in Los Angeles. If you're the starting quarterback at SC, you can get a date. You know, and you could be ugly as me. You know, Sam Darnold's a decent-looking dude. He's 6'4". Again, starting quarterback at SC. Like, he's... He's gotten some dates before. <laughs> like Just because he's a starting quarterback for the Jets, he's, it's not his first time around women. I, I just think that it's just unlucky. Like I said, it, it was it was unlucky. And people think, like, Middlecoff, you're blaming him. Now I'm not blaming him. But in the history of, at least for me, watching professional sports, I don't remember a quarterback, a position player, an NBA player, a Major League Baseball player getting mono. Right? We've seen guys get chicken pox. We've seen guys get staff infection. We've seen guys get a lit everything you can think of. AIDS. Magic Johnson got AIDS. We've seen it all. I don't remember. Um, they Google it and figure it out. But a guy get mono. Because the other thing is when you get mono, you disappear from a, 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 a starting player. Maybe like a practice squad player's gotten it and no one, it never even came out. But the starting quarterback got mono. It's, it's still one of the crazier stories of the year. How much do you think the Bears will stick with Mitch as their quarterback? Do you think when he comes back and struggles, the Bears will move off this season? Maybe, but they did draft him in the first round, and they drafted him number two overall. So this is his third year. Next year will be his fourth year. I think the question mark is this offseason, do they pick up the fifth-year option? I would say they don't. You know, they did, remember a couple years ago, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Fuller, their, their corner. And then he had an unreal fourth year, and then they just extended to a huge uh to a huge contract I I I think that's the question mark we'll know when they pick up their fifth year option if they believe in the guy if they pick up the fifth year option whenever the hell he comes back to prove himself uh then we'll go yeah they're gonna give him one more year if they don't you might as well just say adios hey John longtime listener from Philly love the insights you give in some of the Eagles teams I grew up watching I wanted to hear your opinion on Carson Wentz this season his numbers are looking sharp and he has made a couple freak of nature plays how do you think he's stacking up as an MVP candidate this season? I would say MVP candidate as of right now. He's not in the mix, but he's clearly one of the best young players in the league. Uh, he's a little dependent on some of these guys playing. You know? I mean, when, when he misses half his offense, there's only really so much he can do. Uh, I, I would imagine they're going to get this running game going. I, I think he's going to be fine. And when all the dust settles, they'll have 10, 11 wins, and he'll be in the playoffs and have as good a shot as any. Like I I wouldn't want to play the Eagles in the playoffs, I you know, I mean wouldn't want to touch the Eagles in the playoffs. I'd want no part of Carson Wentz. I'd rather play like the Niners or Seattle or anything but the Eagles, especially because I I would imagine in uh, in uh, the next couple weeks that you know Howie Roseman will trade for a corner. I I, people keep. texting me and DMing me. John, there are other ways to get mono that don't include making out with someone. Otherwise, like your podcast. No shit. Like I said, he maybe he, you know, swapped drinks. Maybe he swapped Kleenexes. Maybe he did. But like I keep saying, in the history of the NFL, it's never happened. So, yeah, maybe he just took some random person's Kleenex that had mono. That's that's what he did. Is That's what everyone wants. I don't understand. Maybe it's just the PC culture. Like, is it okay to say, yeah, he probably made out with a chick and got mono? Why, why is that such a big deal? He's back. It's over. But he got mono. That happened. I, I, I can't believe. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm floored by how many people have been like, god, I can't believe you're jumping to conclusions on the mono. I mean, well, he's the guy that missed the month. <laughs> it doesn't look like Adam Gase is happy. Why hasn't Sam Darnold come out and shot down how it happened? Because we've all been making the elephant in the room as he was making out with some chick. He sure, he sure didn't shoot that down. So I, if you guys want to have conspiracy theories that he swapped Kleenex with his, I don't know, his neighbor or something. I've literally never shared a Kleenex in my life. I, I would only share a drink with like family members or girlfriend, right? So just let's just call a spade a spade. I don't see why it's that hard to just acknowledge the way it happened. When's the last time a 24-year-old got mono? I'll hang up and listen. Here's a, see this is a good uh, this makes me feel good love the podcast just want to say thanks for bringing it and your hot take on Sam Darnold's money keep up the good work I don't even think it's a hot take I, I just think it's it's pretty well established what happened and it's funny you know it's it, NFL quarterback got mono I, I can't can't we laugh at it I'm recording this portion while the game's still going on it's Danny Dimes just threw like his seventh interception of the game it was I think it was literally his third. Hey, John, I'm a Panthers fan, and just getting back from the game. I realize Gardner is special. Just the way he rallies the team, and and things don't go the, uh, the way that he'd want. I would like to ask you if you believe that Gardner Minshew is better than Blake- Baker Mayfield was supposed to be. Uh, he's playing much better than him right now. Uh, I think he has a much more natural feel for the pocket. I would say Baker maybe has a slightly better arm, but they're, they're both good enough. I think when you watch Gardner Minshew... His feel for not freaking out when his offensive lineman gets smoked by a defensive lineman and just move up in the pocket, step up, scramble away, is just pretty natural. There's some innate, you know, something that became innate after years of working on it that Baker doesn't seem to have right now. Like, I I said this week on one of my Periscopes, which I do all the time on Twitter, I, I do a daily Periscope show Every day of the week at about 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Twitter. Same as my Instagram account, at John Middlecoff. And listen, Baker, you're a marginal NFL athlete. You could argue a below average NFL athlete. Stop running away from the pocket. They will catch you every single time. Like when you were running away on Monday Night Football from the 49ers, every single one of those defensive linemen is way faster than you. D Ford could catch you running backwards. You are slow. You're basically a midget Phil Rivers. Stay in the pocket and throw the football. And if you're going to get hit, that's part of the deal. That's why the Browns gave you $35 million. If you do not stay in the pocket, you will lose. You're not a scrambling quarterback. And you're not Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson outside the pocket. You are a small Phillip Rivers. Stay in the pocket or Drew Brees and throw the ball. And if you're getting pressure, just throw the ball away. Stop running. Cause you're slow and you're not gonna run away from anyone. Being there live on Monday night, like, where's this guy going? Who's he running away from? Baker, you're like slower than me. You're not fast. You're not playing Texas Tech anymore. Who you play? You play Seattle. Clowney will catch you. You could tie Clowney's legs together and he'd crawl and catch Baker Mayfield. He's just Baker Mayfield is a below average NFL athlete. So when he's Being chased by Clowney or Nick Bosa or D Ford or whoever the hell they're playing. He's going to get caught. There's a reason Drew Brees and Rivers and a lot of these old school quarterback Brady, they don't run away from anyone because they can't. So as soon as Baker realizes that, he might have a chance. But right now, the way he's playing, trying to scramble away, it's it's a fail. It's just, it's not going to work. He's not, Baker, you're not Lamar Jackson here, buddy. You're not running away from anybody. Hey, appreciate it. Do you, do you have the Redskins? Do the Redskins have any hope under Snyder at all? And how is it plausible is him selling the team? It's not. What would have to happen in, uh, for it to work under Snyder for him to sell the team? Well, there's no way on God's green earth he's selling the team. None. These teams, a team like the Redskins probably makes $300 million Net profit. <laughs> net profit. So, again, that's and he's got expenses of $180 million payroll, a $25 million coaching staff, zero. No owner is selling NFL teams if they don't have to. None. So unless he gets caught in some, like, political scandal where he's, you know, I don't know, avoiding taxes or doing shady business in Russia or who knows, he ain't selling the team. So your only hope... Is that whoever the next coach he hires can just make Dwayne Haskins decent because Snyder's not going away? And you read some of these stories. I've never met him. I really don't know that much about him. Besides, reading about like his business practice, which he was a great businessman before he owned the team, is that he makes people call him Mister Snyder, like his his. I guess he has young daughters. Maybe they're not that young anymore. But back, you know, maybe they're twenty now. But when they were like ten and. They'd be playing with their friends, and someone would drop them, you know, his daughters off, and they'd say, here, Dan, here's your kids, or nice to see you, Dan. And he would say, like, call me Mr. Snyder. I mean, he's just a nut. (laughs) There's just no way around it. He's just a unique character. But as long as he owns the team, they're borderline going to stink. I mean, they, they just consistently suck. And it's pretty clear now he's the only consistent. They change coaches. They change players. They've changed general manager several times. There's only one consistent, and it's Daniel Snyder. So as long as Daniel Snyder owns the team, you know, you could argue they're screwed. And <laughs> I think that's that's just, a, and there's just no way he's selling the team, because it's the greatest business investment he's ever made. Whatever he bought it for in 96 or 97, it's worth quadruple now. And But it's not even about the team's value. It's the amount of things you run through the team as the owner. He has no expenses. Every, the team pays for everything and then pays him. And it's just, it's one of the great business, American businesses and it's not even close. Not even close. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy the football, unless you're a Redskin or a Dolphins fan. And, uh, you know, don't get don't get mono because I don't want to talk about it and then have people get mad about people making out. I guess that's PC on these, uh, on these Twitter streets. But uh, I'll talk to you next week. See you. <coughs> or where you are in life. You'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.
1: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed fit to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kids' peewee championship game.